Second Peter this uh, this morning. Uh, so we're going to do the introduction today, the introductory material. We're not going to go over the author and all that stuff again, but uh, we're going to look at Peter's own words for why he's writing this letter. Uh, so we're going to look at that today in Second Peter. And we are going to start, of course, with the beginning of the book, Second Peter 1, 1 and 2. Sorry about that. My allergies are just going crazy. Anyway, 2 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, two things right off the bat. Of course, we know who the author is, and it's relevant, particularly relevant, who the author is in what he says next. Of course, we know Peter was an apostle. He was one of the first, very first that was called. Uh, not not the first, but one of the first. Uh, he is an apostle. He is, of course, an elder at this point. We know from the previous letter, 1 Peter. And, and what he says is particularly relevant, right? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Well, who's the ours? Probably the apostles, right? Ours, our faith. Those of us who are, are apostles, those of us who are the chosen of Jesus, you guys, the people that I'm writing to, you have obtained a faith equal to that, a faith of equal standing. You are not inferior Christians. You are not second class, but you have a faith of equal standing. And, and when it comes down to it, this matter of authority that we've talked about quite a bit, there's assigned authority in the church because God knows that we as humans need authority structures, right? We just do. We don't, when it's chaos, it's, it's madness. And it's hard to figure out when everybody's on, when there's no authority structures whatsoever. So God has assigned some authority, but in the end, the ultimate relationship that we have with God, when we all stand in judgment, we're all on equal footing, right? There's not in, uh, there's no inherent less or more value to Christians, all Christians who have faith, who have and well, the things that he says here, right? Who have obtained a faith of equal standing by the righteousness of our God. Well, it's not like that you get more righteousness of God than I do. If you're saved, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you have just as much righteousness as anybody else. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing, even to the apostles, who of course had miraculous power and all these things that Jesus promised them and had the ultimate authority in the first century and really today too as we're we're still under apostolic authority today not that there are apostles but we're we're reading their writings and and following the structure that they laid out right but in the end all who have the righteousness of God have the righteousness of God now the second thing we're going to read we're going to keep reading uh, we're going to actually, we're going to, I should put that away first. We're going to actually look at not just the first few verses, but throughout the letter, there's a sort of a through line of why is he writing this letter? Why he wrote a letter already. Why is he writing the second one? And sort of why did he write the first one too? Why did Peter write these letters to the churches? And so let's read in 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Now, we're not, we haven't looked at these qualities. We'll look at those in, uh, tomorrow we will look at the qualities that he's talking about there. Therefore, I always intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, right? Because they have righteousness. They have a faith of equal standing. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder 
since I know that putting off the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you will be able to at any time recall these things. This is the point of the letter, right? I intend to remind you of these qualities, these things. I intend to make sure, and, and I'm really particularly apt at the end there, making every effort so that after my departure you will be able to recall these things. Peter and Paul, we see this in Paul's writings too, but Peter and John and Paul and the, the apostles, right, the people who were writing these letters, they were intimately concerned, uh, uh, preeminently concerned with the idea that they were all going to die and what's going to happen to the church when they're gone? What's going to happen? The apostles are going to be gone? What, what, how is the church going to thrive? How is the church going to survive? And it, it's clear in their writings in their later writings, especially, of course, Peter's writing towards the end of his life. Paul has several letters towards the end of his life. John has several letters towards the end of his life that they are really concerned. You need to be able to know these things when we're gone. And they've spent, you know, 30 years preaching about it, but they're going to die and they need to be sure that people will know and remember What's hap what, what God wants for them when they're gone. Now, what Peter refers to as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me in uh, second in John 21, 17 through 19, of course, at the end of John, we have this story of Peter, and, and this is how he knew, of course, that he was going to die. He said to him a third time, that him being Jesus, of course, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because of. he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now, the idea of him not being able to dress himself, right? He's in, this is some sort of imprisonment, right? He's not going to be in control of his own life. And I think I wonder, every time he was imprisoned, we have several instances of that in Acts, right? Every time he was imprisoned, did he think to himself, oh man, this is it. This is the end. Jesus said, I'm not going to be in control of myself. I'm going to be at the mercy of other people. Now I'm in prison. Am I going to die soon? I wonder if he thought that every time. Of course, several times he's miraculously released from prison, right? Maybe he thought to himself, okay, younger versus older, right? We put that text back up there. Uh, when, you were young, uh, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, but when you were old. So maybe he thinks, well, when I'm in prison, when I'm old, then I'll die or be close to death. But the circumstances he's in now... He definitely knows or feels or suspects this is it. This is the time. And so again, he's reminding the Christians, right? We'll put that back up there. Uh, what he wants to do for the Christians, I intend always to remind you of these things. I know that I'm going to be putting off my body soon. That's death, right? He's going to die. Uh, since the putting off of my body will be soon, so I will make every effort so that after I die, is what he's saying, you will be able to at any time recall these things. That's why he's writing this letter, to remind. And the idea of reminder is particularly interesting. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2, he says a similar thing in 2 Peter 3, 
1 and 2. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder so that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your apostles, right? And that's why it was so important that he was an apostle, right? These are commandments through the apostles. But again, what? I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I like that word stirring up. The Hebrew writer uses that phrase as well, to stir up one another to love and good works. And, and I've used this analogy before, but I always think of the the cup of hot chocolate, right? You have the packet of hot chocolate, the powdery stuff, and you put it in the water and you stir it around. And, and if you let it sit for a bit, what happens? All of the chocolatey goodness sort of sinks to the bottom and then you have sort of brown water at the top. And then at the end, there's all this chocolate at the bottom. So what do you need to do? If you want the chocolate, hot chocolate to be good, you got to stir the cup, right? You got to stir the liquid, get everything mixed in again together. Now, I, surely he's not thinking of that sort of thing, but this the stirring up, that if we're not reminded of these things, if we're not thinking about these things, then what happens? It settles, we get complacent, we get sort of lukewarm, we get not really what we're supposed to be doing. So he's reminding us, because they already knew these things. I, I'm not sure, there's some things in here that are interesting, but I'm not sure there's anything in here that's would have been totally new to the Christians. Again, remember, for us, we don't have the, the person in-person teaching of the apostles. So for us, you know, some of this stuff might be new. But for his original readers, he's been preaching in the world for 30 years. He's been teaching and teach and preaching and going places. And, you know, Paul especially had been roaming around all the world. But, you know, Peter's been teaching in person to all these people. And his words are being passed on. And, and people are carrying his words to other congregations. And, you know, he's been saying probably all of this stuff for 30 years. So, of course, it's a reminder for them. Now, the idea of reminder is an important idea in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament especially. This idea of reminder, Jude 1.5, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it. Romans 15.15, 15, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. 1 John 2.21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Of course, John doesn't use the word reminder, but isn't that what he's doing there? You know the truth, so I'm going to write to you these things. And I, the reason I picked those three is because they're all different writers. Jude, Paul, John, and of course, Peter that we've looked at already. The writers of the New Testament, they knew, well, yeah, if, you, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, at a certain point you maybe have experienced or have knowledge of most of the stuff, most of the things God wants. Now, that, that's not to say we don't achieve new understanding. Uh, my dad said this recently in one of his sermons, right? It's not to say 10 years, if you, if you read a passage and then 10 years, read it again, 10 years later, read it again, you're going to come up with some new, uh, have new insight, new understanding because you're more mature. We understand that. But the basic knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live, you know, if you've been a Christian long enough, at a certain point, you just know that stuff. And Peter and Jude and Paul and John knew that. So what's the point of all this? Why it's important that you keep reading and keep studying and keep teaching and why we keep coming to church and why we keep having Bible studies. Even if you think you've read most of the Bible, maybe you've read all of the Bible, but you know what? You need to be reminded. I need to be reminded because it doesn't take very long 
once we stop studying, once we stop being devoted to the word, it does not take very long before the hot chocolate settles to the bottom. Our intention becomes complacent. Our motivation becomes stagnant. Our action becomes repetitive and habitual and it's not really thoughtful and intentional. It doesn't take very long, right? Why we participate in the communion every week instead of just once a month or once a quarter or whatever, once a year, reminder, right? It is okay to study and important, I should say, not just okay, it's important to study things that you have previously studied. Not only because of the reminder, but like I said previously, unless you're perfect and have all knowledge, you will discover new things, have new insights, have deeper understanding in the text that you've read recently that you, you maybe you didn't read it for 10 years and now you're coming to it again and, and suddenly it makes more sense. Oh, that, that's interesting. I didn't notice that before. It's important to be reminded of these things. So we're going to go through Second Peter. You've probably heard this stuff before. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, welcome. I'm glad that you're here with us to learn these things as we go through Second Peter. But if you have heard these things before, it's important to hear them again. And Peter knew it. That's why he said, yes, yeah, you know these things. But what's the point again? What is Peter's point? Why does he want to do this? I'll put the text back up there. I will make every effort so that after my departure, you will be able at any time to recall these things. The ability to recall scripture at any time only comes through repetition. Unless you have an eidetic memory, which most of us don't. It only comes through repetition. Studying again and again so that these things can be absorbed into our very soul. So that when I'm encountered with problems or sins or temptations or circumstances, I just know, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I already know that. Because I've studied it over and over and over and over and over. So we're going to go through Second Peter this week. We're going to start that. We're going to uh, study together in Second Peter. And again, if you've heard these things before, stick around. Hear them again. Maybe you'll receive some new insight. Maybe you'll have a deeper understanding of the things that we're studying. And I hope that you will be encouraged by this study as we go through. Interesting things in Second Peter. Some interesting stuff that we'll get to, and I'm excited about studying it. It is one of more... It's hard to say which books are your favorite. I really like Second Peter. I don't know if it's one of my favorites. It's hard to say. It's hard to pick and choose. It's like picking and choosing between your children. Uh, but I really like Second Peter, right? It's a good book. We'll study it. It'll, I think you'll be enriched by our study. Let's end in a prayer, and then I'll conclude with some announcements. God, we thank you for Second Peter, the letter that is written to us. We thank you for the reminders that we have of your word. God, please give us the diligence to keep studying and keep growing and keep learning. Help us to never feel like we've figured it all out, but to continue to grow because we do need to grow. God, I ask you to be with this, those this week who are working in dangerous fields, dangerous areas, who perhaps are working in hot spots of the, the virus. Please bless them and give them strength and, and healing. Please be with those who are sick. Please help us to, be, to have wisdom as we try to navigate this time. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the assurances of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.